everyone, and welcome to the first and probably only edition of Average Joe Genetics, a podcast about science for the everyday person who doesn't really understand all of the big science-y things. <laughs> so first off, your hosts today are me, Parker Vesley, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about how we can use genetics, specifically the science of editing genes, to edit humans to survive in space. Today also we have... I'm Hannah. I'm going to be talking about my 23andMe DNA Ancestry kit and my experience with that. Uh, and I'm Sarah, and I'm going to be talking about using uh, genetic tools and um, genetic technology to save endangered species of animals uh, to help bring them back. Perfect. So to start us off, we're going to talk with Hannah about her experience with 23andMe. Perfect. So I got my 23andMe kit for Christmas, actually, and I didn't think much of it. I thought maybe, hey, this is a cool, nice gift to have. Um, yeah, my mother-in-law actually got it for me, and oh, I was like, nice. okay. So one day I actually decided to take it off my counter because it had been sitting there for a few weeks. As and they, yeah, as all my Christmas presents are. Right. And so I kind of just like opened it up and read like the little pamphlet. And so I was like, okay, like I'll make a little profile online with a website. Um, so I did that. I had like a little identification number that I wrote down, like in this postcard kind of thing that they give you, just to match your sample with your box and everything like that. Um, so I did that, and then I waited a few days because I was like, I don't know about this tube, and like that seems like a lot of spit that I'm gonna have to, because <laughs> it was like a few inches, and I was like, this and is that's weird. How are you gonna get your DNA to analyze right. it? Right. Yeah. So I had to send in my okay. spit. How long did it take you to fill that tube? Right. Okay. <laughs> so the it's next gross. day, I finally got enough courage to try it out, but I'll, you can't eat or drink for at least 30 minutes before. Okay, so that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, so you're you not like, sending off your food. Of the, like, chicken you ate right there. Right. Oh, you're, that'd be gross. So weird. You are 4% poultry. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I opened it up when I was ready, and um, it actually was a little bit smaller than I thought because it has a long tube, but you only, like, it's not the whole tube. Like, it's, like, maybe half of that. So I was like, okay, just, like, spit a few times. It wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, and it has a little <laughs> funnel on the top. So once you do that. Then that's convenient. Yeah, you just take off the funnel and then you snap the lid shut and there's like some type of like liquid or fluid in the top that once you like snap it shut, it goes into your spit. So I feel like that probably like preserves it or does something to get it ready for sampling. So once I did that, you like secure it in this cute little specimen bag that they have like in the box. Um, and then you make sure your online profile is complete first um ask you a few questions some simple things about like your basic health history maybe family history just like okay. it goes through a whole list of diseases and most of them I was like no 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 like <laughs> I've never even heard of that no I don't have that um so I did that there was like a bunch of questions you don't have to answer all of them if you want but I was super interested because I was like I want some good results we'll see what yeah. what's happening you're gonna um, spit the tube and send it off <laughs> right yeah and I was the first one in my family to do this type of test um so like if my siblings did this, I probably wouldn't be interested because I'm sure like it would be the same. Yeah, yeah, we have the same parents. Um, but I thought it'd be cool. So I did this. My mom's also adopted. And so she's never met her birth father. She's met her birth mom. So she has a few family history things from her. Um, but that's always in the back of my mind. Like what else? Like who else yeah. is my family yeah. out there? And like what else? Like, like does he have any? You, yeah. You know? <laughs> like 
diseases or like predispositions for so stuff. So I guess doing a test like this for you without knowing that could be really valuable. Yeah, I thought like it would be a cool thing to do. So So you send it in and like how long did it take? Yeah, you so I I put it in the box and like you just can take it to the post office because it already has a label on it. Me being like super lazy, I was like, I don't want to drive to the post office. So I sealed it up and everything, and then I went online with just, like, USPS and did a pickup time. And I put the box right outside my front door. Um, So they came and picked it up the next day. It was awesome. And then, literally, I think it was the next day, I got an email from 23andMe saying that they received my sample. And I was like, whoa, yes. I think Mm -hmm. it, like, overnights it or whatever it is with the thing. But it was cool. So I was like, okay. Um, And then maybe, like, a few days later, it told me it was being processed. And I just like the way it gave me, like, updates throughout, like, the week, so I knew what was going on. Um, And then I'd say probably about a week later, it was like, your results are ready. And I was like, oh, awesome. And it was just in the email. So I just clicked the link, logged on. Um, I was actually at the gym when I was, like, got this up, and I was, like, too excited. I didn't want to (laughs) wait. I don't know why I was, like, so excited. Um, it's because genetics is exciting. Yes. Yeah, so, so I was at the gym. It was chest day. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I just need to take a little minute, pull out my phone, pulled everything up. And right away I went to um, just kind of like the DNA makeup part and just to see like what I was. Um, and so it said I was about 33% British and Irish. And then the rest was just Scandinavian, German, French. Um, that wasn't that surprising to me. And then it said I was like 5.8 Ashkenazi Jewish. And I was like, I don't even know what that is, but cool. Um, so that was interesting. Um, I immediately like took a picture, like screenshot and sent it to my family group message. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, cool. Like I didn't know what we were or anything like that. So that was funny. Um, but I think I was probably more interested in just like the little things it tells you about... Just about, about yourself. yourself. Yeah. yeah. And it, they call it like wellness traits, um, dispositions, that kind of thing. So a few things that I thought were funny were like, um, it told me I was less likely to be a deep sleeper. So I was like, how did they know that? Um, how did they get that from yeah, just I have spin? no idea. <laughs> Seriously. And like I, I answered questions before, but it was nothing like this. It was just about maybe food preferences, maybe like, yeah, like I have no idea. So, but it's true. Like I'm not a deep sleeper. I feel like I can wake up really easily. Um, it told me I have more than average movement during sleep, which is funny. <laughs> I think I do because like sometimes I wake up and I'm like, what? And my sheets are always like kicked down at the bottom of the bed. Um, told me I'm likely to wake up around 8.57 a.m. What? And okay. I was like, that, that was very specific. Yeah, I know. Down to the minute. Weird. I thought it would be like, I was like, that would be nice to wake up at that time because I usually wake up way earlier, earlier than that throughout the it's week. It's weird to think that like all these like seemingly like random things have something to do with your genetics. Like, right. Who you are. And, and super like, specific. Random stuff. Right, from my spit. Never would have thought the time I woke up in the morning would be related to my genes. Yeah, yeah you thought DNA. that was just my personality. So you could just blame it, just be like, oh, like I oh, have to sleep in. Sorry. I could sleep until noon, it just means my DNA is a little yeah. lazy. <laughs> Don't blame me, I No control. control. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, it told me some other funny things, like it told me your earlobe type, if your earwax was sticky or not, or more clumpy. <laughs> of all the things they could have told you, why did they pick that one? Well, I, yeah, I don't know. It told me about fear of heights, if I'm more likely to have freckles, wavy hair. That's it told me that, like phobias could have something to do with your genetics. Right. Like, yeah, really like if you're, you have a family history of that too, that would be something to look cool. into. 
One thing I thought was cool was it said, well, not cool, but it said, I'm more likely to be bitten by mosquitoes than others. I always thought that had something to do with genetics. Oh my gosh, really? Because I thought about it that more, and I was like, whenever I go camping, whenever, like, there are mosquitoes out, I feel like I always walk away with tons of bites. Yeah, some people just have, always. are more likely to get bit. Like, I have superpower. I have never been bit by a mosquito. Never? Ever. Ever. Like, what the heck? I literally have superpower, but my mom gets eaten alive, and so it's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, so, so like, it must come from your dad, right? <laughs> I guess so. I wonder what that cool. is exactly about. Like, that plays so a role weird. in that. Um, mm-hmm. That's super weird. Another funny thing on the website, though, it puts you in contact with some other people that may have be like maybe in your family that have done the test also. So, oh. and it did it did it by state. So I had a few in Utah, which makes sense because I'm from Utah. Maybe like some cousins, something like that. Um, but it told me I had a ton of like family matches in California. And wow. like my mom was adopted and she was born in California. So oh, that oh, was that makes sense. Yeah, it was kind of like Very cool to cool. be like, whoa, like this is real, you know? Yeah. So I had um it shows you sometimes people put their pictures on the website mm-hmm. and I had someone, a relative and I think it said second or third cousin and his last name was Larson and I was like, That's, that's my last name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that was weird because I'm like, whoa, he I've never seen this guy before, obviously, but it has a cool family tree, second, third, fourth, like on and That's on. Really cool. Yeah, and I I even have like a message someone sent me. I haven't even like replied. Um, but I think they like sent like a one that's already made kind of oh, message like, like reaching out for you yeah. like to be like hey I'm a family member or, oh, that's and cool. I was like this is weird I'm not that's ready like, for that yeah and I have a really small family like super tiny and like it would be interesting like if I did that to figure out if I have like more family members like scattered. yeah because like, yeah. I have like two yeah. cousins like my family is tiny really I'm, like, same I don't yeah. even know where my extended family's mm-hmm. at because like, yeah. we don't talk so yeah. that'd be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Huh. No, for sure. There's there are so many cool things on here and the website also asks you if you want to participate in like studies that they have. So you can just like always answer polls, questions like this. Um, some things that was cool. Another thing that was cool was like shows you at risk for certain diseases. Yeah, so it'll be like, yeah, it will say like you have a marker for this one. You need two markers to show that you have the gene that can cause this disease. Um, so I had one of those. I think it was all, like hematochromatosis like that. It said I had one marker for that. But I needed two, so I'm not a carrier. It would be interesting to see if your, like, husband had it, so that theoretically, yeah. like, your kids could have it. Oh, that's that's really interesting. Right. Yeah. Cool. Make him send in his... Hematochromatosis? I don't know. I remember learning about it once, but I feel like it's, like, a buildup of, like, something to do with iron. And oh, it's really, it's, like, gets super dangerous, yeah. So, like, the opposite of anemia. I'm not is exactly anemia, sure. Anemia, yeah, is low low iron in your blood but that is yeah weird. it's i just googled it it's too much iron huh. oh interesting cool. okay yeah so it was cool to be like oh like at least i don't have that but it's nice to know like because there's some things that do you have any of the like carriers for those big diseases like the scary ones? no i was kind of scared about like alzheimer's and that yeah. kind of stuff because mm-hmm. it like had some brief questions about that and i know like on my dad's side there is some family history of that um, but it never showed I had anything like oh, that's that. Really, that's yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that when I sent this in, I was like, oh, I don't know. How about, know. like, cancer? Is cancer genetic? Oh, Something can is. Think I think it can like be. breast cancer back to yeah. Yeah. CA3, I think. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's what some studies in here do that you want to, like, ask if you want to participate in and that kind of stuff. But 
overall, I feel like it was like an eye-opening experience. Like even though there's weird things, like it tells you if you can um, detect the smell of asparagus and, mm-hmm. and like you can taste bitter things. Like there's some weird things, but overall I feel like I would recommend it. Like maybe even just like another company too, not just 23andMe, but it was super fun. Like it got me kind of more excited and made me want to learn more about genetics. And Did you feel like you learned a lot more about like yeah. DNA and how it works and how like Yeah, genetics? I think so for sure. And just eye-opening and it really, like, made me want to talk about it more with other people yeah. and, like, share and maybe even, like, have my mom do one of these herself. Yeah. So maybe she could, like, be put in contact with some family members. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Really but, cool. yeah. It's cool. Look, genetics is bringing people together. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> we need all Bringing families together. Yeah. yeah, maybe I'll look at that message in my inbox later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I had fun with it. That's good. <laughs> Um, so we're going to kind of be uh, switching gears now because we're going to talk about um, animals and uh, using genetics to help save endangered species. So the real key component to this um, next talk I'm going to give you guys is this genetic tool called CRISPR. Um, CRISPR is like a super molecule. Um, and I know Parker <laughs> really likes it. So let's I talk do, about I CRISPR. Really, really like CRISPR. It's interesting. So, CRISPR, CRISPR can do a lot. <laughs> yes, and it's relatively new to the scientific community, so it's really cool to talk about. So CRISPR right now is the most efficient form of gene therapy that we have been able to come up with. Gene therapy basically is just the science um, in the medical world of using your genetics to treat specific diseases, specific illnesses. So what CRISPR is, is it's actually from bacteria. It's an evolutionary response that bacteria have developed, and it's not all bacteria, but specific bacteria, um, to help them protect themselves from invading DNA from viruses. So for instance, CRISPR basically works as molecular scissors. So it'll go in and track through this bacteria's DNA, and it will choose the area of the DNA where it matches, because you know it's programmable. So it'll mm-hmm. match an area of DNA that the bacteria doesn't want there. It's either enemy DNA from a virus that's trying to infect the bacteria. So it kind of tries to like protect it. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's a defense mechanism. So it'll find this bad DNA that it doesn't want, and it'll just cut it out. Mm-hmm. And either it will remove it, or it can replace it with something else. So it's this really, really cool, really, really small, like you said, super molecule, yeah. mechanism that we can use to alter DNA. So like with your 23andMe packet, we're slowly starting to understand more and more about DNA and how you know, human DNA impacts how right. we act and how we express certain how things. How it plays a role in everything. Exactly. Yeah. So once we move that to animals and studying more about you know, how certain genes affect what animals do, yeah. we can then use CRISPR to kind of tweak that DNA a little bit to change the animals to be more suitable to the environment, Yeah. right? Yeah, basically, uh, I think I like thinking of CRISPR like a pair of scissors. It can go in and cut the DNA and replace it, and that's what we're going to be talking about, um, using CRISPR to replace parts of DNA to help the animals survive or um, just help them, uh, help them come back if they're on the brink of extinct- extinction. Uh, one example that I want to talk about is uh, native birds in New Zealand who are in trouble of becoming endangered especially like the kiwi, which is a bird, <laughs> not a bird. <laughs> but 
So basically, um, these birds were thriving in New Zealand because they didn't have any natural predators, really. But um, in the 19th century, with like trading going on in New Zealand, a lot of um, uh, invasive species came and kind of started taking over, especially like rats. Uh, were really like weren't around, and then they got induced like so they came over on boats and yeah. stuff like yeah. So they got introduced so to weird. the environment, which is totally terrible. And what happened is now we're having a big problem that they're preying on these native birds and causing them to go extinct because some of these so birds sad. don't fly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're not used to having to defend themselves. Yeah, they've never had creatures. To. Yeah, I mean I love animals and everything, and like rats. Like I don't think <laughs> rats are like disgusting, and I don't want them to just die or anything. But like. To think about like a dirty rat coming in and like Messing killing up. out like this populations of birds. Yeah, yeah, that's native yeah. and that's gorgeous. Should yeah. like don't they smell like popcorn? What? <laughs> I've kiwi read a somewhere the kiwi birds smell like popcorn. I, I don't know, know if that. it's true. I've never been to New Zealand. But if any of you go to New Zealand or if any of you yeah. who are listening have been to New if Zealand, they smell like popcorn. Tell us if it smells like popcorn. I don't. Yeah, know. I'm definitely interested. But in that. so basically, uh, scientists are are confronting this problem. These birds are going extinct because of the rats. What are they going to do? So they can't just go and kill all these rats because they're right. also living creatures. That's like unethical. That's, yeah, it's definitely unethical. So what they're doing, um, there is a lot of ethics that has to be played with CRISPR that we'll talk about. But what the plan is right now is that New Zealand leadership wants scientists to go and introduce using CRISPR this new like genes to the animal's DNA so that they can't reproduce. So it'll mess up with... Um, like reproduction, like with the animal sperm, mm-hmm. so it won't work. So basically, they're gonna take a couple of the rats, introduce this new gene, and slowly but surely, these rats will not be able to reproduce. So it's like, um, so over time, the population will die out. And it's like the most ethical way to do this because it won't hurt the rats that are being affected. You're not like directly killing, We're not killing, or hurting them. them. Yeah, but over time. Yeah, and this trait, their reproduction. Yeah, and the trait can be passed down if it's not like a dominant right away, and then eventually it will be in all the rats, and then eventually all the rats will not be able to reproduce, and um, it will like eventually <laughs> get rid of them in this right. ecosystem, which is really really good. So that's the plan right now. It'll take some time, but it won't take that long because rats reproduce so yeah, fast. Yeah. So it's so it's basically fixing the problem in like the best way they can think yeah. of without hurting them. But we're and trying to put like they weren't supposed to be there in the first place. Yes. Yeah. And so we're trying to help these birds become um, more populated. It's a this is an example of using CRISPR to save an endangered species when you're not actually like touching the species yeah, that's endangered. Yeah, that's you're, t- you're like dealing with the root of the problem, which is these rats killing them by getting using CRISPR to get rid of the rats, which I thought was really like exciting because when I first started researching this, I thought we would be using CRISPR to like yeah. bring them back to life. Is there any specific reason they chose to target the rats instead of um, well, the endangered species? Well, what would they change? Like the kiwi, the kiwi bird like, can't get the away problem? from the rats because they can't fly. Like you mm. can't make them fly. <laughs> that's like, not okay. <laughs> place yeah, why are they going extinct because they were fine before mm-hmm. i think that okay. was really smart because yeah. i think last worst case scenario should be changing the species yeah. to bring it back which i will also talk about because we have some other animals going extinct so i don't know if you've heard about this but recently the last male rhino had died in the san diego i think Zoo. i did hear that wait the white yeah. rhino yeah white yeah. rhino the 
northern white rhinoceros. So it's a certain type of rhino. Yeah, uh, super the, rare. Yeah, super rare. There's only three left in the world. Well, now two because the Sad. last male dies. dies. Oh. So there's only two females left. And this is going to be an example of using uh, different, de- different genetic techniques like stem cells and CRISPR together mm-hmm. to try to make a new generation of white rhinos. This is mm-hmm. definitely still in the experimenting process right, because they would have to like reproduce yeah. with like the only two females right yeah. like try to they're gonna try that, to or... take the rhino closest to the white the northern white rhino and edit it in the way that they can make it to bring that back make it more back make it more similar to the white rhino and then breed it with the already 100% northern white rhino to hopefully to introduce get it. the white rhino again <laughs> And this we're playing a wow. little bit with ethics because yeah, it is almost, it's so far-fetched to think about, like such a science fiction, but it's possible if CRISPR can change genetics and if there's just one gene that makes right. a rhino different from a special white rhino. Yeah. Like, and we're at the point where if we don't like get involved, like the species will be gone forever. Well, it's like, why are they gone? Like, why did this rhino die too? Like, why are they already so dwindled? Like... Humans, like humans had an impact. Um, Like it was like hunting, poaching, killing, like so. This could really be our way to give back. Yeah. Well, it's our way to fix a problem that we created. We created exactly. So I feel like we we all need (laughs) we need to stand up and fix this because I feel like we hear about extinctions all the Mm -hmm. time, and it's sad because animals rely on us, like, and we're letting them down. So yeah, the question of ethics is being is definitely a, a question that should be asked a lot with CRISPR because we're playing with genes and we're creating species that are dying out but i agree that problems that we created we should fix and if we yeah. have the science yeah, we should be doing it, everything we can exactly i agree yeah um and now here's another example of using crispr for more um uh i don't know day to day i don't know not to not huge science fiction things but uh scientists um in some university like uh university of california in davis uh, are working to create um, a generation of hornless dairy cattle, and that is something that's <laughs> yeah, super random. But basically, I've actually like heard of stuff like this before. Like, usually selective breeding is used to get like a certain cow or yeah. a certain her- horse. Like, you want this cow to be really good at um, producing milk, but not be super aggressive, or like whatever you want. You use selective breeding, so you you pick your cows you want, and you hope you get the right one, but you have no control. So it doesn't really work. But we can now use CRISPR to get whatever animal we want on the first try, which is exciting, but also kind of, I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) like kind of ethical. Are there downsides? What are we doing? But I don't know. Like, what I like to think about is um, when I was in third grade, we read this um, story, and it was about these beekeepers who wanted to make the perfect bee. They're combining a honeybee and another type of bee that I can't really think of right now. The honeybee <laughs> that produces a lot of honey, but then this other bee that had a really good like work, work ethic, like mm-hmm. really, because honeybees are really lazy, and they thought bringing these two bees together would okay, make... Like the perfect bee. Yeah, the perfect bee. Oh, okay. A bee that had a great work ethic, who wanted to make honey all the time, and make a lot of honey. But instead, we created the killer bee. Oh <laughs> my gosh. And well, they were like ominous. super deadly, and like... And, like, then they got, like, released, and they, like, are all over Africa, and they're, like, totally, like, super sketchy. So, getting involved in stuff like this has already gotten us in trouble without using CRISPR, and now, hopefully, I think it'll be a little safer using CRISPR, because 
we'll know exactly what we're creating. And there has to be like a lot of research into yeah. that instead of being like, oh, let's yeah. maybe let's see if this works. And we're like, not making a whole new species like they were with the killer bees. We're just right. making exactly what we need. Like yeah. we want this type of dairy cow, we can make it on the first try by yeah, just yeah. using CRISPR. And I mean, with CRISPR, it's molecular. It's very, very mm-hmm. small. You're targeting a very limited segment yeah. of the genome, and that's the only part that's changing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like when you're breeding, you know, two different types of bees or like two yeah. different types of animals, you're mixing the entire <laughs> genome. Of course yeah. you're gonna get stuff you weren't expecting. Something crazy is gonna happen. Something crazy is gonna happen. Gonna kill you're mashing two extremely different things together, but with yeah. CRISPR, it's just the one More segment. selective. Yeah, yeah just that you one want. trait that we wanna change instead of the whole thing, the whole yeah. organism. Yeah. So, I don't know, it is very exciting. Like, just the thought that we could save species that are on the brink of extinction mm-hmm. like honestly they yeah. should have never gotten that close because right. you, but it's kind of nice that we could almost to know that it's available from our mistake yeah. yeah yeah we can start working towards fixing it yeah there's just so many options now it's yeah. really exciting i feel like people need to know about this because like yeah before like i've never really heard a ton about that but yeah. well yeah and it's it's interesting to think about because we have all of these campaigns about you know reducing emissions and reducing right. plastic in the oceans and yeah. saving the turtles, you know, but yeah. in reality, if the populations dwindle to the point that the animals can't find each other to yeah. mate, or yeah. there's what, not enough it? males or not enough females, even us reducing our impact isn't going to save them. But that should be the like last case scenario. Like, worst case scenario, humans have to get involved with science to bring them back. We should yeah. just be good in the beginning. Yeah, do everything <laughs> so that we're proactive, not reactive. <laughs> yes, but it is nice that if things were to get this bad, we can. There are options. There are options. Yeah, that yeah. is way cool. Yeah. Uh, so we've t- kind of talked about ethics already, but um, like, what's crossing the line, and like, what's crossing the line, and we honestly, it's so new that we don't even know what the line is. <laughs> Which yeah. is scary, and also, like, what are your guys' thoughts? Like, what are some rules that should be in place for, like, scientists to stay ethical with this new CRISPR? What do you think? Well, I mean, if I may answer your question yeah. with another question, <laughs> at what point have we taken this endangered species and through CRISPR and science and genetic modification turn it into something different? At what point have we used CRISPR to, instead of saving an endangered species, create a new one? We haven't done that yet. But the thing is, we could. Yeah. We have the ability like in our to create to something new. This, I guess in our efforts to save these species, are we changing them to the point that they're no longer what they were? Yeah, that would be bad. I think that would be crossing the line. And that's where like research should be like a huge thing, but sometimes you don't always know what's going to happen. So yeah. it's like... Is there a committee in place? Like, I think who there regulates should be. I this? think there are like regulations in line, which is good to keep scientists in check. It's kind of another thing, like kind of like what we said in the beginning, like with the kiwi bird. Why didn't they just change it so they make him fly so they can get away from the yeah, rat? Yeah, because it wouldn't be a kiwi it wouldn't bird. be a kiwi yeah. bird anymore. Instead of jumping to that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like take a step back. Like, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? What's the issue? Like, take what can we do? Think about it. <laughs> think about it. Right, like, the calm down. Way to solve the problem. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's something to think about. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely something sure. to research because it is so interesting. Yeah, for sure. That's actually a really good segue into what I was going to talk about too. Because recently, I think it was last month or the last couple months, 
Um, it came out that a Chinese scientist used CRISPR on human embryos. Oh, I think I remember hearing about that. Yeah, oh, so for those of you listening, CRISPR is really heavily regulated right now, and you're not allowed to use it on viable human embryos. So you can yeah. use it on human cells, but those cells cannot be implanted and cannot develop into humans. They have yeah. to, you know, be thrown away. We don't away know what happens. Exactly. It's it's still so a human was born with some new crazy yeah. gene. We have no idea how that would affect exactly. The population. So this Chinese scientist actually went against all current regulations. He had no approval from any scientific governing body, and he altered two fetuses. Wow. And he basically what he did was he altered them to give them HIV and AIDS. Um, defense so that no, they'd be less susceptible to developing these. Um, <laughs> so and these they were, were implanted into a mother. Oh, yes, and, and she, mother was, she was okay knew. with this, right? Yes. Like, she wanted this. Yeah, she thought it would was be okay. Because, like, you trust your daughter. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you know. um, these kids were born healthy. Like, they were, yeah. wow. With yeah, these two new twin girls with altered genes. They're the first wow. genetically modified humans. humans to ever we know about. So, <laughs> yeah. So what happened to this doctor? Did he get in um, trouble? He is in a lot of trouble. <laughs> lots, oh, lots, wow. lots of trouble. And he's continually trying to defend himself. I mean, not, you know, in an aggressive way. He right. admits that what he did, he needed to have approval for. But True. his perspective is kind of, mm-hmm. if I didn't do it now, we were never going right. to do it. So yeah. what if he did, like, something awesome? Or what if he did something, something so wrong that we just don't At know? At least it was something good. Like, But think about there are mad scientists out in the world. Like, mm-hmm. what if they... Instead of using it to help protect against like yeah. HIV, and what AIDS, are the something bad, yeah. really bad? And what exactly. are consequences if something bad happens that he didn't? And if this expect. technology got into the hands of somebody who wasn't thinking, <laughs> yeah, who didn't have just change humanity, you change right? whatever you wanted. Yeah. We are literally like crossing the border to sci-fi <laughs> villain territory. <Yeah. laughs> it's kind of scary. Altering humans. I think I've seen a sci-fi movie about this. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So it was really interesting because. He did this experiment and altered these humans, and the scientific community is very upset about it because these two girls, Lulu and Nana, A, they didn't have the opportunity to consent to that. That's true. Oh, yeah. Because they're That's babies. Point. So they had no opportunity no consent. to consent to their genes born being changed. Yeah, yeah. So it That's literally changed the fabric of who they are, mm-hmm. and they had no control over it. That's they had crazy no to think about. Major ethics but issue there. Also, can we use CRISPR on an adult? Like, I don't think you can. So, like, you can? a full-grown person who can give consent? I mean, right now, the technology is still very, very limited, but they're developing treatments where they'll tell CRISPR to target specific cells. So for instance, like, like the cancer can- treatment. Yeah, exactly. the breast cancer treatment. You can tell it to target only the cancer cells or say mm-hmm. only the heart cells if you have a cardiac disease. And it will just target those cells and fix those cells. And if it does that, then it's only altering you, right? It's not changing your sex cells, your sperm or your eggs, so your kids aren't going to have it. Yeah, that's just, it's that's just changing you. And these two girls, their sex cells have it, right? Yes, yeah, wow. their sex cells have been changed. So when they grow up and have kids, their all kids. of their kids will have that change. Wow. So all of their kids will now be genetically modified. They are no longer the original genome. Wow, that it's is now been manipulated by the scientists. And this mother chose to consent, so it's well, almost like... Well, did they she know? Yeah, it's, they're kind of it's kind of a gray area. How much did this mom actually know? Yeah. Yeah. And how much did the doctor push? Exactly. Yeah, and exactly. push all the good things only. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There, is evidence, yeah, there exactly. is evidence that she was not thoroughly advised of yeah, the risk. Didn't know she was just like, what was hey, going on, really. I have this superpower that I can... Uh-huh. Think oh, you're going to like protect my kids? Of course the mom's going to say Right, yeah. 
without yeah, fully well, that's understanding. That's an argument for another time. <laughs> so, essentially, the main point is CRISPR has been used on humans, and it's been used for good so far. Uh, it could be used for bad, but hopefully... In- that won't happen. The right. goal for CRISPR is it can eventually be used on humans, obviously. Yeah. But especially, like, I read of stuff about, like, targeting that one specific gene in the DNA that causes, like, breast cancer. Yep. That's and Alzheimer's. In Alzheimer's? Really, mm-hmm. any disease that can be traced back to one or a few genes yeah. can be targeted with CRISPR. But we're still really early on in the research process with CRISPR, and we've only found that it's about 74% effective. Which is honestly really great for gene therapy, but at the same time, you can run into a whole lot of not expected mutations because of this. So if you change this one thing, like it's not one gene codes for one trait. One gene affects the next gene, affects the next gene, affects this trait and that trait. One thing could introduce something totally different. Exactly. So if you change one gene... In reality, we don't even we don't know, know what we're changing. But, like, we don't understand effect. the genome enough. Yeah. Kind of like the butterfly effect. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if we make a change and yeah. we inadvertently create a new disease that oh is now goodness. passed down for the oh. rest of that And maybe that could life. be even worse. This is so original. That'd be so <laughs> yeah. really bad. That'd be horrible. There's just so many unknowns. Yes. And the thing is, the problem is, like, we're going to have to wait so long to figure out what exactly. they are. We have to wait at least, what, three like generations? Like, lifetimes. Exactly. Yeah, generations, because you yeah. want to see how their kits are affected and how their kids Maybe are Maybe they can do those the DNA kits. <laughs> so that's why the scientific community is so upset with this guy. Like, he's going to get his license revoked. He's looking at life. Yeah, there's so many ethical things with that. But you're Major like. Major ethical issues. I don't know. Yeah. Like, if so, he didn't do it, it someone else might have, yeah. you know? So. But, like, to be the devil's advoca- advocate a little bit, like, I don't think I would not have done this. Like, that is like, terrible. That, that is but scary. It is interesting. Like, every single crazy, like, Scientific advancement we've ever made in results humanity from results from something. one dude thinking some or woman thinking some random thing and then yep. doing it like the like impulsive. First, the first yeah. guy who said the world was round and rotated around the sun was like persecuted by the church. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Burn the stake. laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Science is not nice to uh, yeah to changes. <laughs> so I don't know. I say if this works, like. He'll go down in history as the guy who cured yeah. AIDS, which is really interesting. And I think yeah. it's really interesting and really important, too, to look at the good that could come. <laughs> so, for instance, right now there's been a lot of hype in the news about extraterrestrial colonization, right? Mm-hmm. We're getting real sci-fi now. Oh, but I love it. <laughs> taking humans and moving them to another planet and living there. Right now the main planet we've been looking at is Mars. Because, right. you know, it's close. It's, it's close. It seems to be the most likely. We think there's yeah, water exactly. there. At least we hopefully. think there's water. <laughs> so maybe. NASA actually has a plan right now to send another rover to Mars in 2020 when our orbits line up well uh, to purely look and see if it would be viable it to send humans. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, we're not talking like send a full colony right away and right. buck her down and set things <laughs> up, but send a couple scientists to do some more research and see if it's really viable. How crazy would that be? Just think planet. of like 50 years from now, or 50, <laughs> probably more than that, a long time from now and being like, yeah, I'm going to take my spring break in Mars. Yeah, no, And you're like, working. our planet isn't just one planet. Like, uh-huh. Our planet uh, is no longer okay. just Earth. That would be crazy. How That'd long would crazy. that commute be? <laughs> uh, I mean, it depends on where in the orbits they're at, because Mars and Earth don't exactly have like a circle-circle orbit. Yeah. Mars is close, the easy way to say it is Mars is closest to us once every two years. So that two-year increment where we have, you know, closest distance where we can send things, 
coming up. So in plan your vacations. Then. <laughs> plan ahead. So are you thinking about altering humans to make them like be on Mars? Like, yeah. Without so a spacesuit. Like that's what the are thought. we talking that's about? Now it'd be it'd be very very brash of us to assume that we could just Survive. change a couple things and then yeah. woo humans can jump around on Mars without spacesuits and yeah. eat dirt and stuff. But <laughs> Realistically, they have been looking at the genome and identifying specific genes that we could change to make us more adaptable to a space environment. And it would be a lot to of different genes. conditions because you're breathing different air, your uh -huh. skin because you have different pressure. Yeah. Pressure, I don't, radiation. I don't know a lot about space. Right. Radiation. Yeah. So it's like what the food, atmosphere protects like, us from yeah. a lot of radiation mm -hmm. from the sun. And so much exactly. pressure is being pushed down on us. That yeah. It's so and natural so we don't know. Mars has one third the atmosphere of Earth, so there's much less pressure, and it has wow. absolutely no magnetic poles. Like there is nothing to protect you. How about like, an, I don't think it has an ozone layer. Nope. I, no, it doesn't. Nope. Yeah. So all that radiation from the sun it's is coming going straight, straight to through. You. Yeah, so you what's really interesting. Change, yeah. Yeah, you, you have to change. Yeah, a lot of things. <laughs> so what's really interesting is there's a couple of people, really, really big scientists who have been working on this. Uh, Christopher Mason, who's a member of the Department of Physiology and Biophysics at Wheel Cornell Medicine, has come up with this 500-year plan that works on getting humans to the point where we can survive in space. And one of the main factors of this plan is genetic modification. Because realistically, like 500 years, that's a pretty short goal. Like, that's gonna, not giving us a whole lot of time for evolution to occur, for us to change things generations, and generations. Right. right, but it's really focal on this idea of genetic modification because that's what's going to get us where we need to be in the right time. We know we need to change in exactly. order to live in Like it's, it's already been, most scientists agree, if we continue on the trend that we're on now, we cannot survive on this planet. Like That's it scary. just, it won't work, it won't work. And the only way that we'd be able to is if we somehow managed to fix all the issues of the biosphere, which is like, you know, <laughs> CO2 emissions and running out of resources. Right, or and like not even enough control. room on the planet. Population control. I've heard a yeah. lot too, like there's not gonna be enough food to even feed everyone. Exactly. Like, then you need room on the planet to grow the food, but then you need room on the planet for the people to be uh -huh. on. And you need all the water yeah. to, yeah. yeah. And so it's weird because as the population increases, the room you need increases, and then the room you need for food Food increases, yep. and there's it just not growing. Yeah. So, so right now, the general idea of the maximum carrying capacity, the maximum amount of people that the Earth can sustain, is nine to ten billion, and that is if we fix all of the issues with the biosphere that we know of. How many people are on the planet now? Seven point five three billion. Okay, so only like that's so close. Like, we're projected that, we're to be really at eleven close. billion by twenty one hundred. If things continue now. 2100 is like not far from now. Yep, not even a century. Well, we could theoretically And the only, way, <laughs> the only way that we can support 10 billion people is if everyone switches to a grain-dominant vegetarian diet. Yeah. I've all, because I've most heard, of our land is for livestock. I've heard yeah. so many things about people growing food in light, with light, and mm -hmm. growing it, you know, like, vertically. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so that's a huge thing yeah. that's going on right so now that saves water, saves that, but it's like, what's going to happen? Yep. Yeah, and even then, once we hit that mark, that's the maximum that we've been able to, you know, math our way to of humans who can survive, right. that's 2100. So it's like, hey, that's we need a new planet. That's not far. That's so scary. That's not far. <laughs> so basically, we need a new planet. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. the idea then, the 
idea then is to change the human genome to make it easier for us to survive on other planets. It would be interesting. Because we don't have the time. Yeah. What if we just naturally. made it? would be so much we space. We should just make Mars like a planet for growing food and so people can stay on there. That would be really Then we could just change plants and just change maybe like By the time plant, like food <laughs> would come over, it would be like... We need to advance scientifically a lot. So um, it would be easy if we just make Mars our food planet. Just like overnight the food. <laughs> that would be worse. So we've been looking at specific genes that we can change, right? And I mean, in order before we can even get there, we have to understand what we need to survive in space. Right. So NASA did this really cool study called the Twin Study, where they had an astronaut, Scott Kelly, go up into space oh for gosh. a year, and his twin, oh my biological gosh. twin, not fraternal, it's identical, so they have the same DNA, right. stayed on Earth. And then they checked this. the differences in their DNA. Wow. And they found that there were some significant changes. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. it's really interesting, but they're using their findings from that to identify what we would need to change. Yeah. And they've come up with over 40 genes that we could change to help us make us more resistant to radiation. Wow. So that we can survive with less material cloaking us from the radiation, you know? Less bulky <laughs> spacesuits, right? Um, they've come up with some genes that we could alter to help our human body create its own vitamins and amino acids. What? That way okay. we don't have to like get them from our food, so we wow. can then have a smaller diet. That's insane. Which wow. is really, really cool. They found some that make us require less oxygen to function, and some <laughs> that would allow us to live and survive at more extreme temperatures. That's cool. So more heat and more You'd water. You'd be like the perfect cool. human. Exactly. Right? Exactly. <laughs> It'd be extremely interesting to actually see this happen. Yeah. So, for instance, just a few of these, P53, elephants have a lot of extra copies of these genes, and it's thought to be responsible for lower cancer rates, because elephants almost never get cancer. Yeah. So if we could take this gene and add more of it in humans, then we could reduce the risks of cancer, reduce the effects of radiation. Saving lives. Exactly. Um, EPAS1, this is really interesting, because it turns out people from Tibet actually have a specific variant in this gene that helps them function with less oxygen. Oh, and if we just like make that a little more intense, then we could. Oh yeah. wow, wow! And I wonder how yep. long that happened in generations to be at that level. Probably, you know, probably, probably there, a yeah. long time. So probably like, those people have been living there mm -hmm. for. So the idea right. that we, so can we can change that, change it faster in just yes. three generations. Mind so blown, insane. They've got genes that they found that can help us build stronger bones because one of the main issues with being in space is you right. have less pressure, you have less resistance, mm -hmm. so your bones become fragile. Yeah, more yeah. weak. Found genes that'll help us fix that. They found a gene called ABC11, which provides for low odor production. Okay, give me some of that. Perfect, <laughs> perfect for put that on my, put that in my shoes, by the way. So just saying. Yeah. But like, would they make all these changes all at once? Like, like, what, what if you would just you start it with cancer, though? I feel like that would be time. Yeah, so that's or where we run into the end at the same time. Because we don't really understand a lot like, of how what you, happens. Yeah, how do you change that? So, we I don't want to... just change them all at the same time and just hope it all works out. <laughs> just, just hope it works out. Just have <laughs> one person be any wrong. And that's the story of how we got fish people. Yeah. <laughs> and if the problem is if one of them causes a problem and you do them all at the same time, then you don't know which one's causing it. Yeah, exactly. you would have to slowly introduce those. And but then we don't have enough human human subjects. Oof, that's uh -huh. so bad. And I mean, do one at a time. NASA is extremely, extremely selective with their astronauts. Well, even like, that study with the twins, that's mm -hmm. so crazy and such a good idea. Yeah. But it's like, 
How many twins want to go to space? How many twins? Exactly. Yeah, and so ethics. In the last round of applicants for the astronaut program, NASA selected 14 out of 18,300. Wow. Wow. You have to be extremely Super qualified selective. to do these things because they cost a whole lot of money, right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> we're already this selective. Do we really want to be putting these people at risk by changing their genes and possibly creating issues for them that might kill them yeah. and then sending them into space? And it's like, if they do sign up for that, like, do they really know what they're signing yeah. up for? Yeah. Do you even know the risks? Do they yeah. even don't understand, understand what could happen? If science doesn't understand, yeah. how can we how explain can that it? to the people? Yeah. yeah. There, there's just no Especially way. Like, an average Joe who doesn't know any genetics. Yes, people would just be like so willing, like NASA, what? Okay, a study? Okay, like, yeah. Too trusting. Yeah, so, so that's an issue. The bigger picture here then is if we genetically modify humans, it's more plausible, it's more realistic, it's easier for us to survive as a species than it would be for us to terraform an entire planet, which is basically using science to turn another planet into Earth, to create an atmosphere, to allow plants to grow and humans to live, it's easier for us to just change ourselves than to change the whole planet. Right. Wow. But then we have the issue of at what point are we still human? At what point have we changed ourselves to the point that we're that no we longer something we else? Exactly, no. where we become a new species. So like, there's a whole lot of ethical issues to think about. And I, I mean, I don't know, because at the same time, it re, it'd be unethical to send someone to another planet unprotected when you knew you had the means to, to protect help them, them from the things they're going to encounter there, you know? And this is exactly like that one movie, right? Like, the guy goes to Mars. Uh -huh. He, like, volunteers, basically. He the lives Martian. on Mars. I don't Martian? even know. Is it the Martian? Maybe. I'm not sure. No, it's like, he, he, he didn't volunteer to live on Mars. But he goes there, basically, they, he learns, like, the one thing that he can really grow is, like, potatoes. Oh, yeah, it's exactly. Martian. Yeah? Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure. It's been a while. But, like, he lives there for a while. He, like, changes his... Like living arrangement, then there's yep. a storm that comes. Like, yeah, that's he's crazy. Stranded on Mars it, yeah, for that just over shows like the conditions. Like, I mean, I know it's a movie, but it just shows like how different it is there yeah. and how much like strain and stress it puts on the yeah. human body. So the main goal of genetically modifying astronauts would be to make them self-sufficient because right now space travel is entirely reliant upon life support systems. Yeah, how much we food you can fit. We cannot function. How yeah. much food you can fit, how much oxygen you can how take with you. How much water you can take, yeah. Exactly. And so, the stress that puts on your body just being in space exactly. and not putting that pressure on Yeah, so the idea is if we can change ourselves to be more self-sufficient and require less material, material to survive there. That would fix everything. Then it'd fix the problem, yeah. right? Yeah. So At least to start. Yeah, at least to start, at least to start. And they've made some really interesting advancements in you know, this regard in the last few years. And of course they're gonna make some more as time goes on, but I think the core issue is gonna stay the same. The core issue is gonna be at what point do we draw that line? And who's, who's allowed to step over it? You know, who gets to be altered and sent up to space and who's left here? It's going to turn into Gattaca, the movie, <laughs> you know, where you've got the people with the super genes and the ideal humans being shipped off and the rest of I us low tiers. I don't know. Would they be above us? Or exactly. Will they be, yeah. Social collapse dystopia. I don't know. Will people even want that? Like, I think that sounds sketch. I think people will, like, what if people aren't volunteering? Like, so, uh, I feel no. like a lot of people always hear about the study, like, oh, NASA is paying this many people, like, 
thousands to of dollars for yeah, to lay in bed and do nothing. <laughs> like I don't know how real that is, but people are like, sign me up. You know, they're like, I want that money. So it's like. I feel like they would totally get people, but they don't know really what they're signing up for. They yeah. just see the money, see NASA, think it's that's all awesome. very theoretical, too. Yeah. Oh, extreme science fiction over here, but it's know, edging but closer it's to real humans. Well, with the discovery it's, of CRISPR, it's definitely so many things to think about. Like, yeah. yeah. Wow. So many things. Crazy, crazy stuff, I'm telling you. But it'd be really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, if we can change these small genes to make us, you know, more adaptable then who's to say we can't change larger genes or multiple right. genes I to do things like give us wings so we can fly or that breathe underwater or breathe underwater or let's do photosynthesis <laughs> right problem solved let's make our own vitamin c you know <laughs> bring that back i'm just thinking about like a little less intense of thinking of just like getting rid of like diseases like cancer alzheimer's mm-hmm. um possibly like like Parkinson's, Parkinson's, just yeah. things what that affect like people. Yeah. 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 Like that we see all the time. caused diseases we could theoretically get. Well, the number of, one is... thing that's killing people, too, is, like, heart disease. That's, yep. like, a huge thing. And obviously, like, Ooh, nutrition and diet that. and yeah, that plays a role. But, like, yeah, what if we can change something Diabetes? that just helps, you, helps your chance a little bit better, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I feel like we covered a whole lot of ground today. <laughs> yeah. We went from, like, extreme, realistic, you know, affecting individuals. Like real, right now, science. Yep, like, to like, this just brings up so many ideas. To something crazy out there that might eventually happen at some point. But ultimately, the main takeaways from this wonderful, beautiful podcast with your wonderful, <laughs> beautiful, fantastic hosts. What can we say? <laughs> is we just want you to understand a little bit more about genetics. Yeah, and how exciting it can be. Yeah, I was exactly. just going to say that there's so like, many opportunities and things to think it's about. It's really fun. Science mm-hmm. isn't just for scientists, people. We have DNA. Like, we are DNA. It affects each and every one of us to the point that it may even tell us how likely we are to be bit by mosquitoes <laughs> or have sticky earwax. Wouldn't you guys want to know that? <laughs> genetics. I'm so glad I do. It has a lot more than you think it is. Like, there's so much can come from it. It's just so awesome. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of potential, and there's a whole lot we don't know. But, you know, you never know if you don't research, right? So it's this true. is us suggesting to you guys, our listeners, to just get excited about genetics. Like, start researching it yourself. Like, think of some cool questions and find some even cooler answers. Like, Be aware of what's happening around yeah. you and what's changing and what we can do to overcome. Yeah. And that's all the time we have today, folks. So from all of us here at Average Joe Genetics, (laughs) hope you have a fantastic day and hope you enjoyed yourselves. We did! That was like exactly on the minute. That's why I was like...